Welcome to Trinity Chapel for our Advent service tonight. We'll be using the Office of Compline, which is an evening devotional service. Please join me in the versicles in Gloria Patri. The Lord Almighty grant us a quiet night and peace at the last. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your anger toward us. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. We confess our sins. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you through my own fault, in thought, word, and deed. For the sake of the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, forgive me all my sin, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. Reading for our meditation this evening is taken from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the first chapter, beginning with the 18th verse. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray now that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. If you happen to watch the evening news lately, it's rather frequent that they will say, we need to warn you that some of the images you're going to see may be disturbing. There's graphic content to them. Even on Facebook sometimes, if you see a picture that's posted, it'll say graphic content. You have to click past a certain screen for that. Especially with a lot of the people in the hospitals now who are suffering with COVID, sometimes those who have passed away. Even when the news cameras get shots of the uh, the places where they're taking the bodies out of the hospital, they try to get them as, get the shot from as high up as possible so you can never identify someone and kind of makes it a little easier for people to take it. Back in the 1930s and 40s and even into the 1950s here in America, it was very common for newspapers to go to um, police stations and get some of the most graphic pictures from them of car accidents and put them on the front page of the newspaper. They thought they were doing a service because uh, they thought that it was reminding people of the danger of driving drunk or driving carelessly or whatever. But after a while, the audience, the people who were purchasing the newspapers, started going to these newspaper companies and saying, we can't take it. Don't put those pictures on there anymore. It's interesting how we shield ourselves from even the images of death. It's hard to look at. It really is difficult for us to look at, and especially if it's a horrific crime scene or something. Uh, it's very hard for us to have to face death, and we're even afraid with children that if they see the consequences of, of death, uh, if they see a dead body or whatever, that it might actually scar them for life. When I was four years old, my parents made the decision not to let me go to my grandfather's funeral because they thought it might impact how I looked at life from that point on. But averting our eyes from death and having to look at it doesn't change the reality. It doesn't take away the reality of it in this world. And it doesn't take away what a desperate condition we are actually in by ourselves. We may come up with new security devices to try to protect ourselves from it, and right now there's an intense search for a vaccine. We think we have some that are going to try to get out to the people, and God bless those who are involved in all of that and trying to keep us safe. But we all know, if we're realistic, that death, which is a consequence of sin, is going to ultimately find us. It's going to ultimately figure out a way and a path to reach each one of us. And even, even the possibility of dying an innocent death doesn't really take away the sting of death for us. And it certainly doesn't save us eternally. Boy, do we need God. 
Do we need God to be with us? That's why it was so necessary for the all-powerful, almighty God to imprint himself into human history in order to work out the plan of rescuing all of us from this horrific enemy. And so he chose to invest himself down into the very fabric of the human family, to build himself right into the human family as one of us in order to work out this marvelous plan. And it's exactly as he had promised our first parents in the Garden of Eden. One of the children from Eve, who would have the power to crush the head of the devil, would be coming into the world to do this. And it took thousands of years for him to finally set that plan into motion. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. We have in front of us the the marvelous story, uh, some of the interactions that take place when this finally occurs in, in human history. And uh, this interaction between God and Joseph through the angel is always one that's very fascinating for us. This, obviously, the, the birth of the Christ child was going to cause a very personal dilemma for Joseph, who was unaware of exactly what had taken place at the beginning of our text. And it's very normal for him to have assumed that there's been infidelity involved with his fiancée. And if anybody's ever been through that, I know it's a hor- horrible thing people describe, uh, that, that uh, feeling of, of someone cheating on you even before you get married, in a stage when you're supposed to be excited to get married. And we can only imagine how, on, on a human level, how challenging this was for Joseph. And we probably have tried to imagine conversations that Mary had with him to explain this to him. And, Just think how difficult that must have been. And so Joseph processes this, this whole incident through his human logic and also his believing heart, and he tries to come up with a solution that will fit the scene. He he decides he, he still loves Mary enough that he doesn't want to destroy her reputation, and at the same time, he can't marry her because of the infidelity. She's carrying someone else's child, And so he decides that he's going to have to quietly kind of put her away in his life and set her aside. He doesn't want her to be known and branded publicly as an adulteress, although we know from Jewish records that did get out. And he's trying as best he can to kind of safeguard her reputation overall. And so as one commentator said, God looks down at all of this and has to interfere. God has to come into the scene and interfere through the angel to explain his plan, the plan of salvation, to Joseph and to enlighten him with exactly what heaven is thinking through all of this. And really it's the same enlightenment that we need through God's word as well. Heaven has to come to us in our condition and explain to us and enlighten us of the wonderful plan that God has set in motion to take us to heaven. And so the text before us describes this little conversation, the announcement of the angel to Joseph. And you can only imagine the joy and relief that he had for two reasons. First of all, his fiancée has not been unfaithful to him. That had to be of tremendous warmth to his heart. But secondly, to know that the Messiah, the great Savior he'd been waiting for for his whole life, was now coming into the world. 
And here in Mary's young womb is God with us, Emmanuel. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, the hymn writer says. You know, why did the early Christians spend so much time and focus trying to hold on to this concept about Christ that he really is the Son of God? Why was that so essentially necessary? Well, because he alone is the answer. And if, if you don't have God in your Savior, if it is not God with us, we have nothing. It's just a man. And there was no other plan devised by heaven by which we could be saved. As Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name besides Christ under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so through Christ and by faith in him alone, we can stare at the most horrific scenes of death around us and still have confidence and not let it ultimately terrorize us. This past Sunday, the players in the NFL, National Football League, were given, they're always given one Sunday every year when they can write something on their cleats, on their shoes. And then they put them on eBay and sell them and give them to different uh, charities and things. And it reminded me watching that of about eight years ago, in fact, eight years ago this coming Monday, the horrific shooting at uh, Sandy Hook School. And there was a little six-year-old boy that was shot at that Jack Pinto, his name was, who died in that shooting. And his family made it known that his favorite player, Victor Cruz, um, was, was somebody that he always admired. And so that player for the Giants put that little boy's name on his shoes and uh, for the next football game that he had. And he also donated some things to the family. The family took the jersey that, they gave, that he gave to them from a recent game and put their son's body in it and buried him in the casket in, in that jersey with number 80 from the New York Giants. It makes a very touching scene and a very touching story. But there's no lasting power in that jersey. God instead has chosen to dress you in the robe of your Savior, the one who has all power over all death. We need Emmanuel in our life. We need God with us, the true victor over death itself. And by faith in him, we are dressed in that perfect robe from which we will rise from our grave someday and defeat death no matter how easy or terrorizing it may come in our lives. St. John writes, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we, we, should be called children of God. And so, in our lives, with this in mind and in our hearts, as we look at life, no more let sin and sorrow grow. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found, as far as the curse is found. Live in him and in the victory that he brings you. Amen.
Please join me then in the responsory in Lord's Prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. Into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Keep us, O Lord, as the apple of your eye. Hide us under the shadow of your wings. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, hear my prayer and let my cry come to you. O Lord, visit this dwelling and drive far from it all snares of the enemy. Let your holy angels dwell with us to preserve us in peace. And may your blessing be upon us evermore. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please rise for the canticle. Preserve us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Preserve us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Let us bless the Lord. The Almighty and most merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen.